The Climate Sunday initiative is organised by Churches Together in Britain and Ireland and they're trying to encourage churches across the country, or all the countries of the United Kingdom, to hold a climate-focused service before the um, COP26 meeting, which the, the big climate conference that's taking place in Glasgow in November. So that's what we're doing this morning. That's the focus of our service. I think it'd be a good idea if we focused our eyes on God, our Creator. So let me start with these words from Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Let's confess our sins and the sins of our society in the misuse of God's creation. God our Father, we are sorry for the times when we have used your gifts carelessly and acted ungratefully. Hear our prayer and in your mercy forgive forgive us and and help help us. We enjoy the fruits of the harvest but sometimes forget that you have given them to us. Father, in your mercy, forgive Forgive us and and help help us. We belong to a people who are full and satisfied, but ignore the cry of the hungry. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We are thoughtless and do not care enough for the world you have made. Father, in your mercy, forgive Forgive us and help us. We store up goods for ourselves alone, as if there were no God and no heaven. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. The Lord enrich us with his grace and nourish us with his blessing. The Lord defend us in trouble and keep us from all evil. The Lord accept our prayers and absolve us from our offences. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. So let's lift our eyes back towards Jesus as Phil reads to us from Colossians and then Bobby links the idea of Jesus and his role in creation to our role in the care for creation. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, those on our screen, those uh, in the building, and those who are off gallivanting and uh, will be uh, watching later, hopefully. 
When I was 11, in my first year at secondary school, I made my first ever Christmas cake. It took four weeks to make. The first week, we made the fruit cake. The second, the marzipan. The third week, we covered it with flat icing or flattish icing. And then the fourth week, we decorated it. I was really proud of what I'd made. It was good. So after four weeks, I brought it home. I put it on the kitchen table and went off to find my mum. A few minutes later, I took her into the kitchen, only to find that the Alsatian dog had dragged it down onto the floor and eaten a great chunk of it. And that that he hadn't eaten, he'd slobbered all over. Needless to say, it had to go in the bin. I guess the dog didn't know any better, but I was devastated. But what about if my sister had been in the kitchen doing some cooking when I got home? What about if I'd said to her, look at what I've made. Can you look after it while I get mum? What about if she'd helped herself to more than her share? Or maybe put a hot pan on it while she was cooking? Contaminated it with bleach as she was wiping down? Or knocked it onto the floor and trodden on it? How much more devastating that neglect and care for what I had made would have been. Right at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, we read of the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. Then we read that God created each element of our world and as he did so he remarked that it was good. And when he had finished, we read that God saw everything that he had made and said, indeed, it was very good. From our passage from Colossians, we see that Jesus too was right there at creation. And on what is actually Trinity Sunday today, we're reminded that creation was an act of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, and what they did was very good. Part of the purpose of this passage from Colossians that, that Paul wrote was to help the young Colossian believers to guard against a dualism that saw their physical lives separate from their spiritual lives. And this is an issue that's continued to trouble the church down the generations. A distinction between the sacred and the secular. A distinction between my religious life and the rest of my life. Similarly, Christians in the past, with eyes fixed on a new heavenly home, have neglected their current physical one and failed to consider the damage that they were doing. But by identifying Jesus as both creator and redeemer, the author of Colossians brings these two worlds together, the, the physical one and the spiritual one. As Dick Lucas writes, For if the source of the universe, as well as of the universal church, are to be found in him, then we owe to Christ our physical existence and joys just as much as our spiritual life. Thus, both the material and the spiritual realms are brought firmly under the sovereignty of Christ. Furthermore, as Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's 
and everything in it. Sometimes you might give someone a present and they misuse it or don't look after it. It quickly gets damaged and spoiled or even just neglected. But you gave it to them, it's theirs to do with as they please. So you just have to bite your tongue. Is that what we have done? Somehow decided that God created the world for us and it's ours. And then at best we haven't looked after it. At worst, like a child might do with a Barbie doll, we've ripped its arms off, cut its hair and scribbled all over its face. But actually, the world we live in belongs to God. We heard read, all things have been created through him and for him. That is Jesus. I think the way we treat God's world and the way we live in it says something about how we see God. If I say I love God but misuse and treat his beautiful creation, do I really love him? Is my worship really genuine? This passage from Colossians is as good a call to worship as you can get. The supremacy of Christ is revealed. He is creator, sustainer and reconciler of the world and head of the church. The message version says he was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. So how do we worship such a God? We can sing, we can pray, we can meet together, but we also worship in how we live out our lives. Another familiar verse from Romans 12, again in the Message Version says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. My neglect of God's creation, my greed and my selfishness, my lack of concern for the consequences of my actions on others must surely cause me to question how much I really love God. But then, just as surely, the actions that I take to restore the world, or at least reduce the harm I'm doing, becomes an act of worship and a demonstration of my love. Turning the thermostat down or consuming less plastic is an act of worship. We've all been taught that our part of our calling as Christians is to help others to become reconciled to God, to help others to become Christians. But this passage tells us that through Jesus, God is reconciling all things, not just people, but all things. 
Operation Noah speaker, David Bishop David Atkinson, uses the concept of shalom or peace to illustrate this reconciled relationship between God and his creation. He writes, Shalom means the enjoyment and liberation, all-round health and satisfaction of being in right relationships with God and neighbour, with oneself and one's environment. So on this Climate Sunday, with reports that dangerous levels of global warming are likely to be reached even in my lifetime, and I'm getting on a bit, I want to encourage us all to live more lightly in the world, not just because it's a good thing to do, but as an act of worship of the God who loves us, and obedience to the Son who gave his life to reconcile all things to God. But I think there's a further challenge. If Jesus was prepared to give up his life, making peace through his blood shed on the cross, what are we prepared to give up so that others can live? Those most harmed by the climate emergency are often the most poor and the most vulnerable, but still our neighbours, who Jesus commanded us to love as ourselves. Jesus' love was demonstrated through sacrifice and I think maybe we have to recognise that our love needs to be demonstrated through sacrifice too. In our house, in terms of creation care, we make some choices that at best can be considered a bit of an inconvenience. We've made some choices that have actually been beneficial to our finances and to our health. But we're beginning to realise that we need to make some choices that cost. So our heating thermostat is set lower and we wear more jumpers. And we aren't always as comfortable as we'd like to be. I've started trying to walk to the shops for the weekly shop at least two or three times a month rather than using the car for every journey. It's harder work dragging the, the trolley up the hill And it takes more time. And we're hoping to replace our gas fire with an electric infrared panel. It's just probably going to cost us more to run. In a section of Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he addresses whether it's okay for Christians to eat food sacrificed to idols. He's mostly concerned by the impact their behaviour would have on less mature believers. And almost in summary, he writes, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And in a different context, in an earlier chapter, he writes, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. I think it might please God if we were to apply this same principle to the context that we are addressing in this Climate Sunday service this morning. And so I want to finish with those verses from Corinthians from the Message Version. Looking at it one way, you could say anything goes. 
because of God's immense generosity and grace, we don't have to dissect and scrutinise every action to see if it will pass muster. But the point is not to just get by. We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. Amen. About a week or so ago, Bobby got a message from Beth Clay asking her to support a particular petition aimed at protecting pollinators, bees and so forth. We thought it might be good to hear from someone who felt strongly enough about environmental issues to to campaign on a particular topic. So, Beth, can you tell us about how you and your family are trying to do things differently from an environmental point of view? Well, I don't want anyone thinking that we're super eco or anything like that um, because it's something that we're working on and we're trying and I think that's the most important thing, really, that we're all having a go and I know a lot of people in the church will be. But one thing that we realise we need to do is not suddenly make loads of changes but make gradual changes over time um, and that will help instill change that will like last instead of like a, it's like a fad diet if you have a fad diet they never last do they and I think it's the same with this sort of thing so about two and a half years ago we started buying organic veg from Riverford really good company we really love it we're trying to reduce our plastic consumption there's a great new plastic free shop I'm sure a lot of people shop there already one in Digbeth and they've now got a really lovely one in Bourneville we try to go to go to that as much as possible it's been a bit difficult with the pandemic actually but I have to shop with children a lot of the time and I didn't want to take children into a smaller shop so much so it was a bit tricky and it's just lots of little things really like using reusable nappies when we could and if not use eco alternatives and I find that um Every day I'm just trying to, I'm constantly challenged. I think Bobby kind of brought it up in her sermon a little bit. You're constantly challenged with little decisions every day. And it's just about not getting too stressed by them because they can be a bit stressful, especially if you're in the cereal aisle at Sainsbury's trying to see if there's palm oil in muesli and your toddler son is hidden in the brown flakes and you can't find them anymore. Things like that, you know. It's it's just a balancing act. But yeah, we're just trying to do lots of different things like that, really. Little decisions every day, but slow, gradual change over time. And our aims really for the future are to become a one car family eventually. Because at the moment we're still two, we don't like it. And to use the plastic free shop more. That's really our aim. Thank you, Beth. That's great. Could you just tell us a little bit about the, the petition as well that, that you, you initially contacted Bobby about just just out of curiosity. Yeah. Um, so we set up Be Friendly Brum. It's a Facebook group. So for all the people who are on Facebook, please search Be Friendly Brum. We're trying to get a group of people in Birmingham to become aware of how we can improve our urban habitat for bees, pollinators, because they're in such massive decline. A lot of the problems with this are kind of to do with actually agriculture and what have you. But um, one thing that we're really trying to do within the city is ask um, the council to stop using pesticides, herbicides. Um, you know how they go along and spray the paths to get rid of weeds and things like that. Those herbicides aren't that great for wildlife. They're not great for bees. They're not actually very good for our health either. 
so we are we're asking the council to stop using them uh, so we set a petition up it's gone out this week so i will share that in the chat if people want to sign it at all but we're also going to look and see if we can ask for more wildflowers to be grown maybe verges to be mown a little less at the moment there's coming to an end a great thing called no mow may where loads of people have left their gardens but actually quite a few councils have left uh, lots of areas just for wildlife and pollinators to have access to longer grass and wildflowers so just kind of exploring things like that Beth, thank you very much indeed for your for your for your time and uh, contributing to the oh, service in that way. Thank you. So t- to finish, I, I don't know about you, but the scale of this task sometimes seems overwhelming. I found it really helpful in Bobby's talk to think about action on climate change as an act of worship. And there are in fact many things, many changes we can make in our lives that can make a real contribution, even if they're not the complete solution to the problem. To help us think about this, we've compiled a list of action suggestions covering seven areas of life, including food consumption, energy usage at home, travel, clothing, the local environment, and becoming better informed and prayer. You'll be able to find these on the website. They're not hugely detailed, but just give a little snippet and an idea that's perhaps not beyond our pockets, but practical and things that are actually realistic to do. We want this service to be a prompt for change here at Christchurch as part of our ongoing discipleship. So let me finish with this prayer. Lord, you have given us all that we need for our flourishing. Give us hearts that are grateful for the rich resources of the world around us. Give us grace not to be greedy or selfish in the way we use them. Instead, may we live well and make every effort to help others live well. And may every act of care for our environment be an act of worship to you, our God. Amen.